0: All right, long time no see. <laughs> uh, it was great spending the all day, the whole day together as a church yesterday. Uh, for those of us who couldn't make it yesterday, we missed you. But uh, uh, it was a great time as a church, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And hope you enjoyed it too if you were here. A quick announcement about uh, the elder nomination. Uh, Last Sunday, we had a congregational meeting where the the members of our church nominated uh, formally the candidates for ruling elders. And the session discussed the nomination last week. And this week, in a few days, we'll be reaching out to the nominees um, and uh, inform them and hear their uh, response. And... uh, you know, during this process, you know, we'll keep you updated as much as we can, and you can also reach out to, you know, any of us, uh, including me, uh, if you have any questions, Uh, but I ask that as a church, may you, uh, may all of us cover this period and time and process in prayers as, uh, as a very important process for our church, okay? And now, we will go into our sermon time, and Uh, At this point, I want to highlight uh, what we might have learned uh, or gleaned from our retreat yesterday. Uh, I think one thing that Pastor John mentioned uh, was that discipleship is not just you know one-on-one thing, but also our Sunday service like this, especially the sermon time, is you know this opportunity for us as we hear God's word and we grow. Uh, God is feeding us and helping us grow through this process. So. I think it'll be really helpful as we move on together as a church, always treat this time as a discipleship opportunity uh, for us to grow in. With that in mind, let's uh, go into our time together. Uh, Today, uh, I'm excited to share with you that we'll be starting a new series, a new book called the Book of Galatians. It's probably one of my favorite books in the Bible, and the, the truth that we glean from uh, this Bible, uh, this, this, this book of the Bible is uh, just very timeless. So I really hope and pray that it will be a good opportunity for our church to um, just grow uh, and lay a good foundation uh, of the gospel as a church. So you can turn with me to Galatians 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll read it for us, and I'll pray, and I will jump right into the message. Galatians 1, 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave, himself, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is God's word. Would you bow our heads with me one more time? And let's pray together before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time. Thank you that we can uh, hear from you, from your word as a church, uh, as we uh, are coming from different places of our week. Um, Besides the the retreat that we had yesterday, uh, we are coming from uh, different difficulties of our lives and our callings, uh, relationships, relationships, But God, we are here to be restored by you, and we know that your word has an answer for us. Uh, So gather our hearts, God. May your Holy Spirit um, make our our hearts uh, all the more dependent on you because none of this is human work. This is all your divine work for us to even listen. So open our hearts, God, and help me to deliver your word clearly And only your words, not my words, in any way, God. Help us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Three points, as usual. Uh, Those are the authority of the gospel, the content of the gospel, and the praise of the gospel. And the title for this message is The Gospel uh, Delivered by Paul to the Galatians. First, the authority of the gospel. Uh, verse 2, it says, And all the brothers who are with me to the, to the churches of Galatia. So this letter uh, is written by Paul to the churches of Galatia. The scholars say this letter is arguably the earliest uh, book of the New Testament, written around A.D. 47, which is roughly only 20 years after the time of Jesus. Uh, That means this increases the authenticity of the the letter because uh, people at the time could easily have dismissed the claims, and the teachings of Paul about Jesus in this letter, especially about resurrection, if it was false. And yet this letter was embraced at the time and it survived through many centuries. And Galatia was a Roman province located in the modern-day Turkey. If you go to the next slide, there's a map for you, uh, for those of you who are more visual. Uh, It's in, again, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and uh, the churches were uh, planted by Paul in the southern part of uh, that region uh, during his first missionary journey, uh, written in Acts Thirteen through fourteen, and and therefore, you know, these churches that Paul is writing to are like his babies, you know, like he planted them, he started these churches and Christians, and now he's about to write this letter to instruct them as his children, uh, but more frankly, as we'll see, he's writing to rebuke them. So we'll find out what's happening here. So that is to whom Paul is writing this letter. And now we turn to uh, verse 1 and get to hear about Paul, the writer himself. Verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Right away, we see the word apostle. Paul is an apostle. The word apostle generally means the sent one, uh, often used for you know messengers and you know uh, emissaries. Uh, however, the word when it's used in New Testament is often technical, meaning uh, it's talking about the apostles, the apostles sent from none other than Jesus himself, in order to establish the foundation of the church especially through uh, their inspired writing. And Paul is claiming that he is one of those apostles sent from Jesus. So check out these uh, texts with me. They really speak about the special role of apostles. So Ephesians 219 through21 it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, church, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And Second Peter 3:15 through 16, it says, So Peter is writing about Paul here, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Uh, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which, are, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So you see that Paul's writing is scriptures uh, because he's an apostle sent from Jesus to lay a foundation of the church through their inspired writing. So Paul now affirms then in this verse uh, you know his apostle status, saying that he's sent neither from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ himself and God the Father who raised him from the dead. What that means is the authority of his apostleship and his writings uh, come from the Trinity God himself, namely God the Son and God the Father, who through resurrection proved his power and also validated Jesus. And of course, God the Holy Spirit is implied here because he was involved when Jesus called Paul to be an apostle. So therefore, you know, what Paul says in this letter And also in his other letters in the New Testament must be heeded and obeyed. That's what it means. And Paul likely is bringing this, you know, heavy stuff up right away at the beginning of this letter uh, because, you know, we'll see later on that false teachers crept into this church or these churches rather, and they challenged Paul's authority and the, the gospel that Paul was preaching. So here Paul is really establishing his apostleship, you know, right off the bat, not so that he can be elevated, but so that the purity of the gospel can be preserved in the church. So therefore Galatians, you know, acknowledging his authority as apostle and his writings, they must regard and honor what he's about to say and also what he says in other letters to be the word of God and embrace and obey it as such. And that is not just for Galatians. It's for us, too, those of us who live in the 21st century. You know, we must also regard um, as the word of God all the New Testament letters, you know, that were written by the apostles and their associates and all the Old Testament books, uh, that Jesus himself and the New Testament authors affirmed. Meaning the entirety of the Bible, the, the all 66 books of the Bible, are authoritative Word of God. And they are to dictate our lives, and when obeyed, they give us life. You know, when, in this day and age, you know, when we use of Use our smartphone and you know scroll through a lot of things, you know, say social media, you know, we do read and hear of many different words, right? From different people. Some of them are really significant and good and memorable, so we remember them. Some of them are not so good, so we forget them. And sure, we remember some of the good quotes or you know sayings for some time and you know, chew on them, but often we forget later on because. There's really no consequence to what they say, right, on social media, which just scroll through them, and that's it. But you can't do that when it comes to, for example, reading through uh, directions of your prescription medicine, you know, on your bottle or on the wherever. Because if you don't pay close attention to what it says, especially about how much dosage you have to take, you know, it will have, huge consequence to your body and even death, right? You know, the way you regard uh, the, the description of the medicine can either give you life or death. Likewise, we must make a conscious decision about the Bible. You know, through the reading and studies about the scriptures, you know, if we conclude that this is the word of God, then we can't just scroll it through. There has to be, you know, um, great, huge, weighty attention to what it says because there is eternal consequence. And at this point, what C.S. Lewis says is helpful in Mere Christianity. If you go to the next slide, I quoted the entirety there, but uh, here's what he says about Jesus, but it applies to scriptures too. He says... I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. That I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not, do not accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of, sort of things, Jesus said, would not be a good moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. Uh, You must make your choice. Either this man was and is a son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he did not intend to. The words of the Bible is not just a good teaching. Similarly, it is the word of God that we must fall at the feet of this word and obey because there is consequence. So now with that in mind, I believe that's what Paul is trying to say here by sharing about his credential as an apostle. So now we have to have the the due attitude towards what he's about to say. And we'll find out soon enough that the central teaching of his authoritative writing is about God's love. And it gives us life when we obey. So next point. The content of the gospel. Verse 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So verse 3, it's saying that the triune God you know, offers to the Galatians grace and peace, grace and peace. You know, on the surface, you know, Paul May seem to be offering them simple greetings because in Greek the word grace sounds like the word for greetings. And in Hebrew, the word for greetings is shalom. Uh, You know, people are offering peace basically when they say hi to one another in, in Jewish culture. But we see that Paul in his letters, you know, uses these two words not just to say hi, but to communicate deeper realities of the gospel. So, so he goes on to say this in verse 4 that we read, that, that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. And that's grace. That's God's grace. Notice in that verse that the word sins is plural, right? Sins. Meaning our sins are numerous, you know, like the sand on the seashore. And Galatians 6.5 says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man and was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Meaning we do and crave wrong things in our hearts in rebellion against God. Essentially, we live for our own glory when we're created to live for God's glory. As a result, in the present, you know, we experience emptiness because we are not living the way we were created to be. And in the future, there will be judgment. But in our helplessness in this situation, Jesus came down from his heavenly throne and became human to identify with us and died the shameful death on the cross. That he received our penalty on the cross. You know, his physical suffering only pointed to his ultimate suffering, which is being abandoned by God the Father when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's hell. You know, he received hell on the cross Which means being separated from God. And the gospel says that whoever puts their faith in Jesus, you know, in other words, whoever takes shelter under Jesus, they are covered under his sacrifice. You know, their debt is paid for and they now stand before God justified and righteous because they are covered with the perfect righteousness righteousness of Christ. And this is grace, which grace means undeserved gift. You know, when all we deserved was hell, condemnation, but when in faith we receive Christ, we receive righteousness. It doesn't make sense, but it is undeserved gift from God. So Paul says, grace to you. What about peace? Is the next sentence. It says to deliver us from the present evil age. And when Jesus came to earth, he inaugurated the new age as opposed to the present evil age. And Especially when he rose from the dead, you know, he defeated sin and death. And when he comes back, he will obliterate all evil on earth and restore perfect peace on earth, and that's a salvation history, and the gospel says when we put our faith in Christ right now, you know, we got to spiritually join that new age, you know, having our sins forgiven and receiving the eternal life, though, of course, we have to wait for Jesus' return to see the physical manifestation of all the promises, but right now it's real, it's spiritually real that we are in the new age. And therefore, even now, believers can experience this perfect eschatological cosmic peace that Jesus will bring. And I can tell you that this peace is not just psychological, although it can be, meaning three levels. One, uh, this peace is a deep conviction and resolution in the heart that we are at peace with God. That vertically, God is not no longer my enemy who is about to punish me, but he is at peace with me through Jesus. And now, that vertical peace enables us to reach out to others, offering peace to those who have offended us, emulating God's forgiveness. And then thirdly, we can now look forward to the peace that we will have with the nature. Cosmic peace. You know, at the moment right now, you know, earthquakes, tsunamis, tornadoes, you name it, is ravaging human lives all around the world. But on that day, Isaiah says, lions will lie down alongside of lambs. We will have peace with the forces of nature too. Meaning, if you're in Christ, if you are believers in Christ, you can anticipate it, you can grasp that reality as true, and you can say that in Christ, all is well. Perfect peace. That is what God is promising his believers. So by saying then, going back to the verse 3, you know, grace and peace to you. Paul is really saying to the Galatians and the believers that you must own this reality. You must experience this reality of having grace from God and peace as a result. You must enjoy it. You must actually tangibly experience in your life. For next slide, there's a, a movie called uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's a movie about World War II uh, that shows some gruesome details of war. I think it's a great movie in many regards. But here's a story. Here's how the story goes. Uh, there's a family in, um, in the U.S. that sent all four sons to the war, and, and three of them perished. They, they got the news but one went missing. And when the government found, found finds out about it, you know, they uh, order a team of US soldiers to find and rescue that one son uh, named James Ryan, uh, so that, that the family wouldn't be, you know, uh, totally desperate, you know, that they, the family would be spared of losing, you know, all four sons. And fast forward, the team of soldiers uh, does find Private Ryan in the end, uh, you know, most of the team members die while trying to protect Ryan. Uh, and then the, the ending of the movie, uh, maybe go to the next slide, it goes like this. So that's the elder, Private Ryan, uh, standing or sitting in front of uh, the grave of the team captain. And there, you know, in, in tears, he says that he has tried to live the best life that he could live in light of the sacrifice of the soldiers who died for him. Uh, He's saying that because, you know, at this point and also throughout his life, he realized that his life is precious, that his life is undeserved, right? Because he should have died. But because of the sacrifice of the soldiers, his life is a gift now, and the peace, and the, the scene, I think Spielberg really depicted the peace of the scene, the peace that he enjoys and that the nation enjoys is undeserved too. It's, it's a gift. And I think about it, just kind of coming out of the movie now, just think about maybe our own lives too. You know, in, um, Maybe we think this on only Memorial Days, but truly the, the peace, the relative peace in this nation that we enjoy is a gift You know, because there are many men and women who have served our country sacrificially. And that's why we get to have this life and and relative peace that other people in the other nations do not enjoy right now, even at this moment. Everything's a gift from God because of the sacrifices. And now zoom all the way out. Jesus Christ He died the death of all deaths. And He sacrificed the sacrifice of all sacrifices so that we can have life and peace. You see? We do not deserve the salvation, but when we understand that undeservedness and preciousness, we can cherish and value that love and grace God has for us and the peace that we can actually enjoy. And I think what Paul is saying when he says grace and peace to you is, guys, preach this gospel every time you come before God. You know, we talked about during the retreat, the rhythms of day and weeks, you know, spending time with God. We are to always tell us and preach to ourselves of this gift of life. And when you do that, only when you do that, you can truly experience this grace and peace that Paul and God, the triune God, offers to us, his children. The content of the gospel. And then lastly, the praise of the gospel. Verse 4 and 5, he said, Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is saying here is that all the great work of salvation that we just talked about is by God's will. It was God's conscious plan from eternity past. In other words, it was by His grace. We did not contribute to God's plan. God planted everything for us to save us. And therefore, logically, all the credit and honor and praise and glory go to God. Not to us. Not to anybody. Nobody else. And let me just give you a sneak peek of the rest of the letter. This idea of all the glory being God's anticipates the rest of the letter because apparently the false teachers of the Galatians church, Galatian churches were uh, teaching that in addition to their faith in Christ, they must perform certain you know religious practices like circumcision in order to be justified and to be saved. And the consequence, you see, of this notion of faith plus act and work is that all glory do not go to God, right? It goes to glory to God and also to our performance. Not only that, if we think that we can contribute, we can somehow perform to, you know, earn salvation, then we live in life of slavery because we are always anxious of not offending God or not failing in our performance. But when... We acknowledge that it's all God's will and plan. What do we do? We rest. And we give God all the glory. We don't want any of the glory that that goes to God. We just want to give glory to God and just rest right there. So you illustrate, um, talk about my family a little bit. Uh As you know, my wife and I have two small children. And one thing you have to know about raising small children is that you have to do literally everything. Everything. You do change their diapers, sometimes literally every 30 minutes or so. Like, it's it's not an exaggeration. You do that. And you feed them, you put them to sleep, which takes sometimes 30 minutes to an hour, you change their clothes, you read books to them, you uh, play with them, and you also have to discipline them when you know, they misbehave. Literally everything, they can't do anything, right? And I thought, you know, just a lot of this sermon, I thought about, man, can Seth and Natalie repay me and that debt for all that we're doing right now for them. You know, like, let's say they'll, they'll buy us steak dinner, you know, like when they get older after they get their first check, will that pay for all the things that we did for them, you know, during this time? The answer is no. And especially, especially, I think, I think about Deb. you know, who literally carried them you know, for months and months and gave birth, you know, through all the birth pangs. I I watched it, and I was feeling the pain. I, I wasn't even doing it, but I was feeling the pain. But she was doing it for love. Can they repay that? No. Never. Impossible. Nothing will do. Nothing will do. But imagine that they think, you know, later on that they will just buy us really awesome sushi dinner and they'll think that they'll, they'll be, you know, like breaking even with us. No way. All right? No way. They cannot repay us. Rather, all they should do in response to what we are doing, to, doing for them right now is probably just to acknowledge us and thank us and say I love you. Hopefully they won't say, I hate you. (laughs) I'm sure teenagers do that, but hopefully I'm praying right now that that won't happen. But And we hope that they use all the resources that we have given them, that we will give them in their lives to live to the fullest for God. That's our hope. Not try to repay us in any way, because it's impossible. How much more will that be between God and us? We cannot pay God back somehow and somehow contribute to what God has done for us or God will do for us through our performance. There's no way. God sent his son to die the death that we couldn't possibly die for ourselves. All we can do is give all the glory to God and rest and live to the fullest to, for His glory with the, the resources and strength that He gives us through the Holy Spirit every single day. That is Christian life. All glory to God because salvation is not my work and because of that I can rest. I don't have to strive for more because I have everything in Christ And the the work is done. Rest. So believers in Christ, I need you to know that God has already rescued you from hell. So rest and enjoy God's grace and peace and live to the fullest for his glory. And if you're joining us as an unbeliever, we are glad you're here. And we hope that you see the word of God as authoritative, like Paul uh, emphasized in the beginning, and from there on may you see the truth that contains the way to salvation, and, it, and then in that in, you enjoy grace and peace that are in Christ. Let's pray together. Before we uh, respond in the song um, let's spend some time in prayer and uh, may we uh, just um, in our minds walk through uh, this passage especially what Christ has done for us that he bled for us he was pierced for us left his heavenly throne came and died for me died for you and that was a gift that we can never somehow pay back he gave it to us and he just wants us to receive it and rest in that may we recite this right now before it escapes our mind somehow. And then we'll respond uh, with a song. Let's pray together. I'm really excited for uh, this series because uh, if we really understand the gospel and apply it in our lives, uh, there's nothing that we can fear in our lives because if you have assurance that uh, you are at peace with God, and from there on, all other pieces um, flow. What, what is that you fear? Um, God is pleased with you. You can rest in that. We don't have to strive for any other things in life because we, we get to realize that we have everything we need in Christ. So let's meditate on the gospel together before um, we finish that Jesus Christ died for you that he is your life now in Colossians 3 it says he is your life, you are hidden with him in, in God your life, your identity your fate uh, your worth is all bound up in Christ He's your life and that's all you need that's all you need when things go wrong in our lives we have christ when things go well and great in our lives we realize oh christ is better he's my treasure he's my life so that's, that's god together right now that he would instill the truth of gospel in our hearts right now and throughout our days and weeks so we will not uh, depart from this gospel but stay grounded in this gospel so we can live our lives to the fullest for His glory let's pray together Heavenly Father we thank you for uh, your amazing, amazing love for us you sent your son to die in our place Uh, he died a gruesome death he did not shy away from the sacrifice that would cost him his life and his uh, eternity with you And because he died and rose again and he's in heaven now our life is in him Thank you, Lord. God, we uh, strive for many things in our lives. And when we don't get what we want, uh, and when we get what we don't want, uh, our hearts ache, and um, our whole identity can be, um, you know, shaking and uh, we suffer. Lord, uh, may you bring us back to the gospel and know that we're so loved and we are secure because of the grace and peace that we have in Christ so that we can go back out into our work, our school, our relationships, whatever might be, um, you know, making making us lose sleep day by day. Help us, Lord. Help us rest in you right now and give all the glory and praise to you. Help us, God. Now as we look to the gospel and fix our eyes on our identity in Christ, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.